Welcome to RevMD, the podcast all about medical billing. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Signorelli. Join us as we break down the ins and outs of medical billing, discuss the latest trends, and also share insights to help you and your practice navigate the world of healthcare finances. Welcome back to another week of the RevMD podcast. This time of year is a time of change. And all around me, both within our own client base, as well as other members within our group, we're hearing about transfers of EMRs, right? So you've been with an EMR, practice management software, you're not happy with them for some reason, and you're ready for a change. So this week, we're going to talk all about doing an EMR or PM software transfer and kind of the five things that you really need to be thinking about and some thought process around how it impacts your billing process. So that is one of the topics that we are going to get to as we kick off 2024. So today we're going to talk again about those five things that matter when you're trying to think through managing the project when you decide to do a transfer. We actually did an EMRPM software discussion sometime last year. So if you're trying to select the right software, go check out that podcast and that will allow you to just have some thoughts around, you know, which software you should pick, what are some deciding factors and all of that. But now say you've made the decision, right? You've identified the software and you've done the demos, you've got the pricing, you're ready to go. Now, how do you think about doing the transfer itself? How do you think about how long to keep the old PM software open? All of that fun stuff. So first things first, if you don't know, this is Dr. Signorelli. I'm with National Revenue Consulting, and we are a full-service medical billing and coding company. So if you are looking for a new partner, please don't hesitate to reach out. We are super data-driven. We have an amazing team of individuals and even are working to get our practices with their AR over 90 days, well below industry standards. We love to show metrics. We like to meet with our practices and show them their metrics, work on denials, and also help train your front desk. So if you are looking for a new medical billing partner, reach out at info at nationalrevenueconsulting.com. All right. Number one, the time it takes to do a clinical data transfer. So you've made the decision, you're doing the EMR and PM software upgrade, you've found your new partner. We have to have a mechanism by which you have to get the data from the old system into the new system. And there's always going to be a lag there. And what I'm talking about is the actual clinical charts. So the, the chart information, right? The medical records have to get moved over from one system to the other. And those are your records. And so you do have a right to them. Now, how you get them moved over can be very expensive. So you just need to be prepared that it can cost money, but it is obviously something you're going to need to do. Now, the key here is to recognize that say you've been in XYZ software and you've decided, okay, April 1st, I'm going to go live in the new software. The data transfer portion will start and will start to move over medical records, but there may be a period of time where you have patients in one system after the transfer has been complete. And so you'll want to make sure that you work with your EMR and PM software 
the new one and work with the team that's doing that data migration to understand how you handle that lapse in time between the old software transfer happening and between the time that the new software goes live. Sometimes there's a lag there, meaning you may have the data transfer completed on March 15th, but April 1st is when you go live in the new system. So you still have patients getting seen between March 15th and April 1st in the old system. So you need to make sure that you have a plan to migrate those last few patients that you see in the old system into the new system. So just a nuance to make sure that you have clarity on how that works with your transfer. Number two, patient demographics. So similar to the idea around the data transfer for the medical records, you're going to have to get all those patient demographics from the old system into the new system and really want to make sure that the fields cross over accurately, that the insurance information comes over, and that it's all in fields that your billing team can use so that those don't get into a situation where you are having to manually enter patient demographics. And similar to the last point, you're going to want to make sure that if you see any new patients or update any patient records, say on that between the March 15th and the April 1st, that those new demographics of those new patients or those updates get transferred over before the April 1st go-live date. And what I mean by this is you know, again, your data transfer may happen on March 15th for all of your old stuff, but then say you continue to see patients in the old system between March 15th and April 1st, just got to make sure that both the medical records and the patient demographics all get moved over. And there's some different types of ways depending on who you're using to transfer that data, but it's important to ask all of these questions when you're negotiating up front, because the last thing you want to do is realize that there's a gap there and you've lost your negotiation power because they've already had you sign. And so then you're at a point of spending extra money to deal with that lapse in time and doing a retransfer of data. So again, use that as a negotiation power upfront when you're doing the transfer. Number three, EDI enrollments. So I think I have a podcast. Um, actually, I know I have a podcast with EDI enrollments and EFT. So right EDI enrollments are the connection between the clearinghouse, the software, and the payer. EFTs are the connection between the payers and your bank account. I have a podcast on this back in 2023, so go take a listen. But you're really going to want to make sure you time for EDI enrollments. I know it's really once you go lot, once you get all your your data transferred into the new system, and say that's March 15th, you're sometimes you're like, okay, let's just go live in the new system. Depending on when you started the EDI transfer process, you may not be able to. You need at least 30 days to start doing those EDI enrollments between the payers, the software, and the clearinghouse so that all of those go live. Do recognize that when you turn the new ones on, sometimes the connections with the old payers turn off. And this is true for Medicare. Medicare will only allow you to have one connection per submitter ID. And so what ends up happening is if you turn on your Medicare enrollment in the new system, you're going it's going to be turned off in the old system, which means that electronic remittance advice, so those ERAs that are coming in telling you what you got paid are going to stop. And so you're going to have to manually post from the portals. This isn't a huge deal. The money's still coming in, but what's happening is your ability to have an electronic feed of what payments to post turns off. And again, 
This is really mostly just a Medicare issue. A lot of the private payers will allow you to have two connections, but Medicare gets really finicky about this. So again, EDI enrollments, really make sure you have up to 30 days where you've started access with the new software. You've started to do your EDI enrollments before you go live. So let's go back to our example, right? So say you sign a contract, it's February 15th, March 15th, your data starts to transfer over and your plan is to go live April 1st. You're going to want to make sure that you have access to your EMR by around your new EMR by around, you know, March 1st so that you have March 1st through April 1st to get those EDI enrollments started and dealt with. Now, worst comes to worst, those aren't live to go. It's not the end of the world. You can still submit claims and you know maybe do that through the payer portals. There are other creative ideas you can happen, just not ideal. And then also those electronic remittance advice aren't coming back. So again, lots to think about here and with, with regards to timing and why it's so important to have a project plan with your software, your new software team and your billing team so that you can coordinate all of this. Number four, fee schedules. You're going to want to sit down and really make sure what are the fee schedules that you're planning to charge, right? So that's how much you're billing out. How much of your fee schedule is going to be cash pay and what are those fees going to be so that you can set those up? And then in an ideal world, you have your fee schedules from the payers themselves so that you can load up into the software so that you can always be tracking are you getting paid what the allowable is for the payer. Now, number five, managing accounts receivable. I always, always recommend at least 90 days, maybe longer depending on how timely the charts have been signed out in the past in order to keep that old software open. So again, you go live April 1st in the new software. You aren't going to submit new claims in the old software, but what you will do is manage any old claims. And if the practice has had a delay in signing out charts, that's going to make it even more challenging to deal with the old claims in the old system. And I highly recommend getting all caught up with your charts, making sure that those are all signed out before you consider doing any you know, transfer or any information regarding starting in a new software. It just makes it a lot more complicated and it gets a lot more expensive because then you're having to keep the old software open for 120 plus days, which, you know, you can kind of negotiate some of that with the new software. Maybe they'll give you a deal for the first 90 days, but it does get expensive and it is important to close out that old AR in the old system. Now, having said that, there are always mechanisms to move the claims into the new system, but I really, really discourage this unless there's some extenuating circumstances that make this very difficult. So these are the five things you should be thinking about if you're doing an EMR or PM software this year. Make sure that you have these negotiations up front, you're working with your billing team, and you're discussing what it is that you need to do in terms of a project plan so all of this goes smoothly. Of course, if you do have any payers that are still using credit cards, the, you know, those virtual credit cards or paper checks, make sure that this is, you know, all transferred over with a new EFT sign up. And that's a really convenient time to do this because when you're dealing with the EDI enrollments, you can at the same time deal with the EFT enrollment. 
Hopefully this helps as you guys, you know, potentially consider switching to a better EMR PM software. I will say the right match for both your office and your billing team can make revenue better. It can make the efficiency in the office better and can be a very important tool to have in your office. All right. Have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. 